Thank you, Derek, for those reminders of peace, the reminders of God's presence, the reminders that even in the midst of chaos and anxiety and troubles and pain, that we still serve a God who does, who does great things. And um, I think those songs are so, they're so powerful and they're so needed at moments just like today. If you're visiting with us, we're so thankful that you were here. Uh, we are grateful for your presence at our gathering today. We hope that you were able to be a part of the small group sessions that we were having at 9.30. And then, of course, during our, our time of, of praise and encouragement that we have here, we want you to know that we'd love for you to be a part of, of, this, church, of this church family. And over the last few weeks, we have been talking about the idea of uh, living our best life and what that means in relationship to God. But, but as different events took place this week, I... Ended up reaching out to Derek on Friday, and I said, Derek, I just, I'm going to have to call an audible because of uh, just things that I'm seeing that are taking place, and I just feel like we need to go in a different direction in our study uh, this morning, and uh, so I ask you to, um, I ask you to go on that, I ask you to go on that with me, because uh, this week I had phone calls about things that were taking place in Waverly, uh, the flooding that was uh, had been present there and the destruction that was left and not only the loss of life but loss of property and just the pain that the people there were experiencing. Uh, of course it hit cl so close to home to so many of us after the tornadoes of last year and uh, events that took place here just in our neighborhood. Uh, saw of course uh, different numbers. We try to keep track of those with the COVID numbers here in the county and, and in the area and things that are going on with that and just more and more concerned when it comes to the pandemic and this idea of, you know, just, um, you know, when are things really going to get back, you know, to, uh, to normal, so to speak, and we don't have to worry about these things anymore. And um, I know that uh, today we're planning on, at 2 p.m., having a memorial service with the family of, of Raleigh Wooten, and uh, Mr. Raleigh has passed away, and such an encouragement to to me and, and so many others throughout Chattanooga and the way in which uh, not only did he bring uh, the word of the Lord to people, but just the way in which he brought Christ in his everyday life to individuals and our thoughts and prayers are with Miss Patsy and, and the children and all the family. And that's going to be taking place again in here at, at 2 p.m. today. And so those, those conversations and thoughts were on my mind. And then, of course, this last week with the events that have taken place in Afghanistan and uh, I know that's been at the the forefront of of so many as you've been uh, thinking about uh, the events, even though they're across the world, how how much they do impact things that are going on here. And I appreciate Derek sharing that that experience that he had this week. And and then, of course, uh, if you're watching the news or anything, keeping up with stuff today, you know that uh, there's a large Cat 4 uh, hurricane getting ready to um, hit the New Orleans area, southern Louisiana. Um, I know that uh, Miss Charlotte. I know you're you're thinking about um, your family members that are that are there, and um, just a lot, a lot going on right now in people's lives, and, um, and and it just reminded me. And I've got to just be honest with you about a a problem that I have with God. And I don't know if you've ever thought about anybody having problems with God who are followers of God. But I've got a problem with God. And it's something that I've struggled with through the years. And it's, it's God's timing. 
And I would ask you to raise your hand, but that's one of those things we don't like to raise our hand about. If you struggle with the timing of God, because as you read through Scripture, it just seems that time and time again that God just appears to be late. You ever notice that? It just seems like that he runs late. And, and when you look at different events that take place and you see the things that are happening in our culture and in our world right now, maybe things that are going on in your own personal life, and it's like, you know, I just really need for God to act. And I need him to come through. And I need him to do something powerful and amazing. And, and I don't understand why it just seems like that God just appears to be a bit slow. That for some reason his watch is not set on my timetable and that he's just always a little bit late. You read through the Psalms and a lot of the Psalms that David, that David penned begin with the question when. Or he asks how long. We, we, we read that. Stephen, you, thank you for doing that, reading that for us. And Psalm 13, I just want to remind you again of verses 1 and 2. It says, how long, O Lord? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? And, it, and it's not just David that writes like this. You go through and you find the prophets pinning similar statements. Listen to Habakkuk. How long, Lord? How long must I call for help, but you don't listen? Or cry out to you, violence? But you don't save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. How long? How long, God? You read through scripture, you just find example after example that there is this continual refrain that we then end up echoing and we ask God, how long is longer? In fact, the real challenge is to read through Scripture and find someone who didn't have to wait on the Lord. It just seems to be the standard of, that there's just people who are seeking God's will, wanting to do what God desires, obeying God, being obedient, and yet they find themselves waiting. And look, we don't like to wait. I mean, I mean we, we don't like it. We don't like it when we have to wait. We, we don't like it when we find out that others are, are made to be late. Anybody, anybody get frustrated when people are late to meetings? Do you get frustrated? Or you're, you're, you're a teacher, you're teaching a class, and somebody doesn't show up on time, and, and it's like, what, what's going on? You know, I, mean, I know there's different things that make people late. You get late in traffic. Maybe there's a line in the bathroom, not in the men's bathroom. I've heard there are lines, okay? that when you go to the bathroom. And there is this rumor, guys, that in some women's bathrooms there are couches. Did you know that? There are couches and seats and chairs. I, I, I mean, I, I, I've never known restrooms like that. But then the ladies use this as an excuse, right? They'll come, they'll, I would have been here earlier, but there was a line in the bathroom. Guys don't understand that. But we know what it's like to wait. You know what my favorite button on the remote control is? My television remote control, my favorite button. The fast forward. Mm-hmm. Any of you, you like that fast forward button because the commercial comes on? You're like, ha-ha, man, we're going right through this puppy. And we're just going to plow right through. And I know that <laughs> my sons even ask, it's like, Dad, what's your deal? It's like, did a commercial do something to you in the past? Do you have, you know, do you have PTSD because of, you know, commercials? Was there something? And... And I'm like, you know, ever since Mean Joe Green tossed that jersey years ago, commercials just haven't been the same. 
You know, ever since they the Budweiser group retired the frogs, they just haven't been as good anymore. And so I just fast forward. I'd go right through. And that's how we live life. We just go from one thing to the next. And we don't like to wait. We don't want to wait on people. And yet it seems like God is not in a hurry. And he's always running a little bit slow. And so we need to understand, I believe, God's timing more appropriately. So if you have your Bibles, I'll encourage you to, to find 2 Peter chapter 3. It's toward the end of your Bible. 2 Peter chapter 3, you've got Revelation at the very end, and then there's Jude, there's 3rd, 2nd, 1st John, and then there's 2nd Peter. Start from the back, you'll get there quicker, right? And Peter, in this particular chapter, he's going to address the timing of God, and he's going to do so by talking about specifically when Jesus is going to return. That, that's the question that people are asking in Peter's day, and, and so he, he addresses that, but for our purposes, we're not going to focus so much on the return of Christ, but rather, we're going to focus on the question that was behind the question, and that is, how long do we have to wait on God? How long do we have to wait? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3, here's what it says, first of all, you must understand in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. And they will say, where is this coming that is promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. So the argument that some were making was this. Jesus won't return because Jesus has not returned. I mean, that's what they were saying. It, it, it doesn't necessarily make a good logical argument, but it carries some, some heavy emotional weight, right? I mean, we understand this because we've been asking the when question for a long time. We've been asking for a long time and God hasn't answered. And maybe it's been so long that you've been asking, when God? How long God? How much longer do we have to wait? When are you going to come and justice is going to be done that maybe you've just stopped asking? And logically and rationally you know that God can still answer, but emotionally you feel like he never will. And that's when we start losing hope. And that's when we start losing faith. Because it's just been so long. And in verse 5, Peter says, look, our when questions are not so much about timing as they are about trust. Verse 5, he says, but they, those people who were saying, hey, it's not going to happen because it never has happened. He says, but they deliberately forget. And that phrase is really tough to translate right here. It, it literally means they don't stop and intentionally think about something. They don't stop and intentionally think about the fact, he says, that long ago, by God's very word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed. So Peter says, look, here, here's the deal. For those of you who are questioning God's timing, it's like, well, if it hasn't happened, it must not be going to happen. He says, look, these individuals, they are deliberately forgetting the fact that God spoke and the world came into being. In other words, they are surrounded by evidence that God is in control. And that his timing is perfect. And it's not so much a question, though, about timing as it is a question about trust. Can you trust that the God who created the world can still take care of that world? It's a question of trust. You see, we're surrounded by evidence that God can be trusted and he's capable of keeping his promises. And maybe you said, God, how long until I catch a break? How long until I'm going to get some rest because I'm just exhausted? 
And God promises, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Do you believe that? We say, God, how long until I'm loved? I, I, I feel alone. And, and how long until I don't have to, to feel this way anymore? And God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Do we cling to that promise? Do we trust him? We say, God, how long? How long until there's justice? God, how long until you make things right? And God promises, you leave room for my wrath. It is mine to avenge and I will repay, thus saith the Lord. Do we trust God? We, we say to God, God, how long until I'm healed? God, how long until I'm no longer sick? God, how long until we don't have to worry about vaccines and masks and all these things? And, and God says, I will work all things for the good of those who love me and who are called according to my purpose. Do you trust that? Do I trust God? See, in verse 8, Peter addresses why Christ's return hasn't happened yet. And for the people that he's writing to that they're experiencing this persecution and severe suffering. And, and when they ask God, when are you going to return? What they're really saying is, God, why don't you just put an end to this pain? And, and why don't you stop this suffering that we're experiencing? And here's what Peter does in verse 9. He gives an analogy to explain that God's timing, well, God sees things differently than we do. He says, don't forget, don't forget this one thing, dear friends, that with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. Now look, it is impossible for us to understand and see things the same way that God does because we live within a realm of time and space and everything that we know, it has a beginning and it has an end and we can't comprehend the idea of thinking outside of a linear fashion. But God, however, does not live in the realm of time and space. The Bible tells us that he always has been and he always will be. And because of this, God does not see things unfold linearly like we do, moment by moment and time by time. Instead, he sees things unfold as a whole. We can only see the things that have happened in the past and things that are about to take place right here and right now, but God looks at it differently. And that means he sees things that we don't. It means that he knows things that we do not know. And it's hard for us to sit here this morning and try to have an understanding of this. And it's why Peter uses an analogy that says, look, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years, well, those are like just one day. It's just like when we were taking the kids to Florida for the first time, and we put them in the car, and we, we get them in the car seat, and, you know, Micah, we still have to buckle up, and, and Emily's sitting over there, and we, we've got these... Um, you know, these movie players that you could put over the back of the headsets, headrest. Remember those that you could have years ago? And you put them over the back of the headrest and you would stick a DVD in. And we would tell them that, look, it's about 25 Phineas and Ferbs till we get there. All right? And, and, and it's like, well, some of you are like, what are Phineas and Ferbs? If you don't know Phineas and Ferb, I mean, you missed out on something, right? Uh, Phineas and Ferb, great cartoon years ago. And, and, but we do that because the kids, if you don't tell them something like that, as soon as you get, you know, from where? From Chattanooga to, um, I, I don't know, East Ridge, all of a sudden it's like, are we there yet? When are we going to be there? How much longer? Are we to Florida? What's it going to be like? When are we going to be there? 25 Phineas and Ferbs. Hit the play button and off you go. Okay, they understand that. They're able to comprehend because they don't see things from our perspective. Tanya and I knew we got a long trip ahead of us. We got a long trip. 
But they couldn't see it that way. And it's what Peter does here. He understands that we cannot understand that God sees things differently, that we see in part, but that God sees in a whole. We see a virus. We see a hurricane. We see a flood. We see a bombing. We see things unfold a moment at a time. But God sees the whole picture. He sees the whole thing. He knows what happens from beginning to end. And so because of that, we can trust his timing. And so in verse 8, Peter makes this claim, and he says, look, God just looks at things differently than we do. He sees things differently. And then in verse 9, and guys, this changes everything. And if you're looking there at your Bible, if you'd like to mark things, I would love for you to mark this. He says, the Lord is not slow. And this is where we want to say, wait a minute, I got a problem with that because I think he's slow. He's slow in my life. He's not working at the speed that I think he needs to work at. And Peter says, he's not slow. He is patient. He's patient. He's patient, Peter says, with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, guys, that's a game changer. He says, God's not slow. God is patient. And we get so frustrated with God's timing because from our perspective, he's late. And his slowness indicates that he doesn't care or that he's indifferent with what we're experiencing in our life. Because if he really cared, well, that if he really loved us, that he would be acting on our behalf right now. He would be doing something. And Peter says, no, he's not slow, he's patient. See, in other words, we think that we're waiting on God because he's slow, but in fact, God is waiting for us because he's patient. He's patient. And it changes everything. He's patient. And he waits for just the right time to accomplish his purpose to work for his glory. And, and look, we, we understand this mentally. I really think we do. Because you read through scripture and we know these stories. And we know God's perfect timing. And so Abraham and Sarah, all they can see is what is happening next. What's right there in front of their face. And they're in their 80s and, and she hasn't had a child. And it appears that God has forgotten them. But we know the whole, and we know what happens. She's 91, and he's 100, and here is this child of promise, and they name him Ishak because it means laughter. And she says, when people see this kid, when they see us coming with a baby carrier, they're just going to laugh and think this is hilarious. And Sarah says in Genesis 18, she says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Joseph sits in prison for years. And day after day, he says, God, when? When are my dreams going to come true? When am I going to be released? When's it going to happen? But at just the right time, on just the right day, everything changes. And Joseph finds himself there before Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world. And he interprets Pharaoh's dream. And here's what Genesis 41, 38 says. Pharaoh says, can we find anyone like this man Joseph? So obviously filled with the Spirit of God. And then in verse 41, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. He had been sold into slavery. He had been accused of a crime that he did not commit, put in prison, and left to rot. And it appeared that God had just forgotten him completely. And that he was going to be late and he wasn't going to show up. But the whole time, God was patient. And he knew what he was doing. You find examples as you come into the New Testament. You see, you see it there in the life of Jesus. We read in John 11 and verse 6 about Jesus finding out that one of his good friends, Lazarus, is sick. And it's kind of a surprising scene because there in verse 6 it says that yet when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed. Now he doesn't stay with Lazarus. He stayed where he was. It says he stayed where he was two more days. 
He said a couple more days, and we don't know what he was doing. There's no asterisk there to, to tell us, hey, this is something really important that was going on in the life of the Messiah. We just know that he stayed, and by the time that he gets to Lazarus, Lazarus has died and been buried. And in verse 32, Lazarus' sisters come out to meet Jesus. And Mary comes to Jesus, and I'm sure that there's some emotion in her voice. as says, you know what? If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? If you weren't so slow, if you hadn't been running late. And these are the words coming from a woman who no doubt stood on her front porch and looked off into the distance and kept saying, we sent word, we sent a message, right? It's the same thing that you do. God, I prayed last night, I prayed last week, I prayed for a month, I've been praying for a year. Has anybody seen the Lord? I need him in my life. But you know the story, right? Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, and in verse 45 it says, Therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. Jesus waited. God was glorified. Faith was strengthened. Jesus wasn't late at all. Now look, from, from Mary and Martha's viewpoint, there was no question it seemed that Jesus was running late, but all they could see was what was unfolding right there in front of them, but God knew. And guys, we know these stories. We know these stories from beginning to end. And because we know how the stories end, because we know how the stories end, we find ourselves shouting at, at Sarah and Abraham when, when, when they're calling Hagar in to talk about this plan to conceive a child. We're shouting at him, don't do it. Don't. Just wait. Just wait for God. And we... When we read about Joseph being there in prison, we lean over into Scripture and we whisper in his ear, be patient because God's going to do great things. Just be patient. See, we know the story. And because we know how the story ends, we attempt to console a grieving Mary and Martha telling them, I promise Lazarus is going to be okay. We know the stories. We know that God sees sees things that Abraham and Sarah and that Joseph and that Mary and Martha cannot see. We know God is not slow. We know that his timing will be perfect for them. We know that at just the right time that Sarah is going to conceive and at just the right time Joseph is going to be brought before Pharaoh and at just the right time Lazarus is going to walk out of the tomb. We know God isn't slow. He's patient. We know this. And we know that at just the right time, God sent his son into this world. And we know that at just the right time, Jesus died for our sins. And at just the right time, Jesus will come again. At just the right time. You see, we know that we can trust God's timing. Because God knows the whole of our story. He knows the whole story. And because he knows the whole story, he knows the best time to act on our behalf. He knows the best time to act for this city. He knows the best time to act for this country. He knows the best time to act for this world. Friends, all we see is a chapter. All we see is a chapter right here and right now. And all we can see is the chaos and the calamity. All we can see is the sickness and the hate 
and the fear and the loss and the death. All we see is Afghanistan and Waverly and Louisiana and Chattanooga. All we can see is what's right in front of us. And guys, it'd be great if we could skip chapters. I mean, that would be so awesome. But our lives don't work that way. That's not how life works. We have to read every line, and we have to meet every single character. And look, we're not going to enjoy it all. And there are going to be moments just like this week that it seems like that it's nothing but bad news and sadness and chaos and ineptitude and loss and death and pain. And we're not going to want to read those things. And some of those chapters are going to make us cry for days. But we have to keep going. Trusting God's timing. Because he knows the whole story. And he's patient. And he knows the best time to act on our behalf. So friends, what in the world do we do in the meantime? What does a preacher who struggles with God's timing do? Well, we began with Psalm 13, so why don't we end there as well? David says, how long? How long do I have to wait, Lord? And then he ends by declaring, I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Guys, David knew that at just the right time, he would be victorious. And at just the right time, we will be as well. I believe that. You see, at just the right time, we will have peace. And at just the right time, the storms will cease. And at just the right time, there will be no sickness, and there will be no pain, and there will be no death. At just the right time. You see, all of our how long, O oh Lord, questions, all of our when God questions are going to be answered at just the right time. But until then, we will trust in our God's unfailing love. And our hearts will rejoice in his salvation. We will sing the Lord's praises. For he has been good to us. If you believe that, would you stand up and give him praise this morning in the midst of the chaos.